Well, good morning. Good morning. Glad to see all you smiling faces today. Thank you for that uh, um, time of worship this morning, worship team. I was thinking about um, a bunch of men up here singing Beautiful One I Love. I'm like, wow, we're, we're secure here. Praise the Lord. There's something about that. It's kind of cool, right? You know, because he is beautiful. And uh, our ideas of beauty and everything that we appreciate on the planet is ultimately rooted in his creative wisdom. And uh, so it's not by accident that uh, we recognize things as beautiful and, and uh, that he is, in fact, the source of that. So today uh, we're starting a little series. I'm going to keep today a little bit to the point and short. So, I'm going to close in prayer and we can go home. (laughs) Anyway, uh, we have not violated any copyrights here uh, in Grace Illustrated. I struggled a lot. You know, I knew this series was coming. I had some people like Adrian and others say, well, help put together some screens, something like the sword of Damocles, you know, that story hanging and God intervening with like, some kind of a shield protecting us, or I don't know. I just looking through some things, and this this concept keeps coming back to me, both from the Old Testament and the New Testament. And that is the picture of God as uh, the good shepherd, the one who shepherds us. And I'll talk about that in a few minutes. But that's where the little logo came from. But the idea of Grace Illustrated over the weeks coming, we will talk about pictures, if we can, of grace. And uh, what this is all about. In order to manifest it, I think, or, or set the tone, there's a number of places you could go. You could go to the story of the, uh, the prodigal son. That's pretty famous. There are other stories like that. But one of the classics is found in the, uh, the Bible that we have in our little pouch there. Uh, if you want to follow along and if you know your way through your own Bible, you can turn with me to the Gospel of John, the 8th chapter. The, in the black uh, Bible that you have, it's page 1069. If you're new at this, because we do have people that are new at this, finding their way through Scripture, 1069. And some of you will recognize the story of the adulterous woman. Oh, yeah. I heard somebody say, oh, yeah. It's pretty famous. So follow along with me as I read this, all right? Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. This is the very first verse of chapter 8 of the Gospel of John, page 10, uh, 10.1069, if you're looking it up. Early in the morning, verse 2, he came again into the temple, and all the people were coming to him, and he sat down and began to teach them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, and having set her in the center of the court, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. (laughs) (laughs) Selah. Everybody meditate on that for a minute. This is before, um, you know, secret cameras and all of that. So guess what? They were saying this, testing him so that they might have grounds for accusing him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground. But when they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. 
And when they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones. And he was left alone and the woman where she was in the center of the court. Straightening up, Jesus said to her, woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you either? Go from now on, sin no more. Let's pray. We're singing about your grace today, and we acknowledge it as a wonderful, wonderful thing. But Lord, even we who have been recipients of grace sometimes fail to appreciate or grasp fully what it means. So would you help us maybe to take a couple of steps forward today in laying hold of more truth that will help us as we grow together. We need your help. We need your grace, even today. And Lord, I pray for those who may be visiting, leaning in, wondering about what is this Jesus thing all about, that your grace would be sufficient for them to understand and that they would be drawn into your marvelous forever family that you have brought into being by means of your grace. Today, I'm pleading for the authority of Jesus' name and his shed blood over my mind and over the minds of my brothers and sisters. We are engaged, whether we see it or not, we are engaged in war, and the enemy has a vested interest in keeping those who need Jesus from appreciating his good news. He has a vested interest in keeping those who belong to Jesus from living out the power of the gospel in an infectious way. And so we pray in Jesus' name that you would break the power of canceled sin, set prisoners free, help us to walk in that liberty that you give us by your grace. In simple faith, I ask for your help, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, help us today. Amen. And all of God's people said, Amen. Well, this is like the prodigal story. We look at the prodigal story. We see a wayward character coming back. And those of you who have read uh, Tim Keller's book, The Prodigal, which, by the way, I highly recommend, know better that the, the young son who went off on a tear was not the only lost son in that story. There are two lost sons in that story. The very religious person and the very wayward rebel. They're both alienated from the father. So that's a great story as well. But what we're looking at in these stories is one dimension of God's grace, and that is mercy. You know, that people are given mercy instead of the harshness they may deserve. We, we read a story like this. By the way, I, um, I recently saw for the first time in my life uh, because of, um, I won't mention any names, but the Vitulises loaned me their movie, uh, how Green Was My Valley, an old John Ford classic. Oh, 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 whatever. But anyway, uh, but in that story, there's, there's a lot of church in that movie, right? That's back when church was allowed in movies. And, uh, and, there, and there's this woman in the same situation, caught, you know, with, with, uh, caught unmarried and pregnant. And the deacon in that church, he, he was well typecast because you want to hate him. So he did a good job. You just hate him because it's like, yeah, this sinful woman. <laughs> you know, and the deacons are, oh, terrible. Very similar to this story, right? Very similar. 
because they're not really interested in justice or righteousness. They're interested in going after Jesus and attacking him. That's really what's going on. Let me just say something about grace, this mercy that is manifested in this story that illustrates grace. It's part of the attributes of God, that he is a God of love. In fact, one of the best descriptions I've ever read is if you want to kind of sum up God's attributes, it would be holy love. Holy love does not fudge. Holiness does not fudge about what is wrong. But love, by the grace of God, overcomes the fact that we have alienated ourselves. It's holy love. It's a dimension of the love of God that he manifests grace to people. And this woman who is being used, she's simply being used by the Pharisees to attack Jesus, um, gets mercy from the master. Let me just say a couple of things about it. Why we sometimes get it wrong. Jesus is not in this story saying adultery is okay. Sometimes we get that wrong. We think, oh, see, it really doesn't matter anymore because of the grace of God, what he's done. That's not what he's saying. Jesus wouldn't have said, well, now I'm not condemning you. Go and there it is. Stop that. That's what it is. Stop that. Second, you can, in fact, change. Now I'm worried. Okay. You can, in fact, change. Yes, praise the Lord is right. And I get weary sometimes with the, I'm going to call it what I feel about it, the stupid line, oh, we're all human. You know that line? We love to say things like, oh, we're all sinners, we're all broken, we're all a mess, you know, which is like an excuse to go, wink, wink, we can get away with it. That's not what he had in mind either. I need to make another point. God is offended by sin. The Pharisees weren't as much offended by her sin as they were with Jesus. That's what was wrong with them. Right? They were out to get him. They weren't offended. They weren't, you know, righteously upset because God's name was dishonored in some way. No. In fact, you already figured out there was a lot of shenanigans and manipulating to get this whole situation tracked down and catch her in the very act. And everybody always says, where's the guy? It was probably one of the Pharisees' buddies. Oi. Anyway, so there you go. But God is offended by sin. They're testing Jesus. They're pushing for a sentence because we love to bring sentences against others. Don't we? I couldn't help but think as I, was, as I was preparing this, how many times I've seen people rescued from the most vile, miserable, sinful circumstances. Praise God, right? Rescued from whatever it was, drug sales, prostitution, fill it in. I've, I've seen God do that. And then after a few years of knowing Jesus... Uh, all of a sudden we've become very righteous and they turn and start judging their pastor because he isn't spiritual enough. I'm thinking, boy, have you forgotten where you came from? And may I never forget where I've come from. It's grace. 
They're pushing for a sentence. And Jesus shows mercy, which is part of grace. He shows mercy, and it's absolutely, and it's perfect in this story, because it's consistent with the Son of Man's reason for coming into the world to save sinners. And Paul even said, among whom I am chief, right? So, if you're a note-taker, first thing we want to do is understand and explain grace. A long time ago, uh, Derek and Carolyn started coming to Harmony, you might remember. And uh, I was preaching on, who knows what I was preaching on. I've been preaching four years here. I'm probably getting boring by now. But he said to me one day, I said, what, what do you think I should preach on next? He said, try God. <laughs> so I kind of took that to heart. That's a good idea in church that we kind of preach on God. So recently I thought, he's brilliant. I'll ask him again, you know. And he said, uh, you know what? What, didn't you bring up grace? Didn't we talk about grace? So it says, oh, blame him. And I'll be honest with you. When he mentioned, let's talk about grace, I thought, oh, that's, that's overwhelming. I was, I was a little daunted by it. It's huge. You couldn't exhaust it if you preached on it for 15 years in a row, really. And know it, making sure that I, I get to the real essence of it, or, man, it just kind of scared me a little bit, so... That's why I'm going to have a short sermon, because I'm too nervous. <laughs> Grace explained. You know, evangelicals are the ones who, if they're orthodox, they believe the Bible. That's what orthodoxy means, right doctrine. We believe the Bible is true and what it says about God and what it says about sin and what it says about reconciliation to God, that that's all true. If we believe that, we can't get around the fact that grace has to be what we're living under. And it, grace is what we have, to, we have to extend to other people as well, just the way God extended it to us. So there's a very famous um, evangelical theologian named Eric, Millard Erickson, and he wrote a definition, and you've seen it many, many times, and maybe you've heard uh, grace defined as unmerited favor. And that kind of comes out. So if you're a note-taker, the first thing I want to do is give you grace explained. What is it exactly? God deals with his people not on the basis of their merit or worthiness. Not on the basis of their merit or worthiness, what they deserve, but simply according to their need. In other words, he deals with them on the basis of his goodness and his generosity. Okay, I'm, I'm harping on something here. I talked about people who get born again and then they, they get a lot of Bible under their knowledge and they start cleaning up their lives and then they become judgmental. And it's like, how do you miss this? We got saved at one... I have, I'll tell you how we miss this. We're sinners. Anybody in the room? Okay, some of you that aren't sinners, you're aliens. You need to go back to your other planet. You want, the ones that didn't raise your hands, you're, you're not from this planet, Okay. We're sinners. I have, I have experience. I go, yeah, I became, well, I would never do that. Oh, well, what about way back when you did do that? Oops. Need to remember that. On the basis, not of their merit or worthiness, but simply according to his goodness and generosity, he deals with us according to his love, which is manifested with his grace and mercy. 
goodness, and generosity. Grace means, here's a simple definition, that God supplies us with undeserved favors. I told you a while back about um, a man that was mentoring me when I was in seminary. We're in a little country church. In fact, I've told you several stories. One was the deacon who said, if I can't be a deacon in this church, that was the same place. Same guy. His name was um, Ed. He had been a New York City police officer for six or seven years before he went off to Denver Seminary. And I uh, linked up with him there and and, uh, worked alongside of him. And he kind of mentored me along. He had more experience in ministry than me at the time. And... uh, I remember him telling a story. This is back in the old days when prayer meetings were pretty intense. And somebody was praying in this prayer meeting, and it might have been at our home church, which is a sister church in Flushing, New York, but I'm not sure. And this brother got up who had been offended, and he was mad about something, and he was going on telling God just how how much he deserved to be treated better than uh, what this person in the church had done to them. And, Lord, you know how much I've done for you, and blah, blah, blah. And finally, some godly brother in the church couldn't take it anymore. He stood up and said, Brother, the only thing you deserve is to die and go to hell. Is that true or not? Oh, we don't. That's the point. If you forgot that, you don't get the gospel and you don't get grace. That's what we deserve. Well, what about the innocent? There are no innocent. Who's innocent? Anyway, so as we work through our series today, think about how much grace has benefited us. Now, before I even talk today about what's obvious on the, literally on the table here, which is an illustration of grace, probably the illustration of grace. Grace comes to us in so many different ways. God's love and goodness and kindness and benevolence is shown to humanity in various ways, even those who are not his children, right? He sends the rain upon the just and the unjust. And so he shows his kindness and his goodness in the natural realm. Paul says, having food, I pray this often. Having food and covering, with these we shall be content. You got up this morning? Did you have breakfast? Those of you who don't eat breakfast because you live in such a rush, that's on you. (laughs) But you could have eaten eggs if you wanted to, right? Or had breakfast. You probably had a warm shower. Because if you didn't, I'd have been hearing your complaints already this morning. (laughs) Still shaking and still blue, right? (laughs) You know what I mean. Food and covering, you have loving family members, you have a spouse that loves you perhaps, you have some toys to play with. Come on, how many of you have toys to play with? Come on, be honest. You have some toys. I know you have one. I have one. There's goodness that is extended to so many of us in so many ways. Then there's the supernatural and the, the things that attend those that belong to his children. Regeneration. Illumination, answers to prayer. Once in a while, you get to see a miracle. I have. Once in a while. If he did it all the time, you'd be going. (sighs) Seriously, right? He gives gifts to his children. He gives you the means of grace. There's power given to you to pull yourself up by the grace of God. He saves us. He gives us saving grace. He also gives us dying grace. 
um, I was sharing with the worship team that, you know, Terry's mom, who just went to be with Jesus, they're from my church up north. In fact, uh, Terry's father was our general contractor when we put up a huge facility up there. He's a wonderful brother. And... Um, and I got to swing in and see and visit and minister, pray with him a little bit. And it was so tender for him to share. And don't you count this as a blessing when one of your dearest people, spouse, for example, is going to go into the presence of Jesus and you know that's where they're going. That's a mercy. And then to be there at the moment of their transition. It's a gift of grace to us. Really, he was sharing that with me, and it was so sweet and tender. The grace of God in uh, Bud and Gloria's life. I mentioned last time that I had recently re-listened to Trevor Nauta's... Did I say that right? Trevor Nauta. That guy. Sermon. Some of you were related to him, but anyway, he came back and spoke some life to us as a congregation. It was before my time. He had been through rough water. He came in to try to speak life, try to help us understand why we get in jams as God's children. Yes, Pastor John, we get in jams as God's children. I'm not talking about jam in a jar either. We get ourselves in trouble. And he was, he was edifying us. And somewhere in that thing, he stopped and parked on this idea that you cannot possibly change God's attitude toward you. I heard a praise the Lord. Who's that nut? Who said that? Sorry. Who's that wonderful, bright person that said that? And the reason I'm saying that is because well, here, let me just show you what it says. Let's just, let's just ponder what it says. By grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's not because you earned it. It's not because you cleaned yourself up. If you've been cleaned up, it's by the grace of God. If I understand as much as I do, it's by the grace of God. I have to get slapped in the face on a regular basis. All right, Hako, so how did you get here if I didn't bring you here? Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Smart Alex, stop judging everybody. But I'm so good at it. Stop it anyway. <laughs> By grace you have been saved. It's the gift of God, not as a result of works that no one should boast. I'm in Christ because his righteousness is imprinted on me. God can't have a different attitude. He sees the righteousness of Christ. I already told you that doesn't mean you don't have to change. I already told you that. So let's not. But when he said that, I'm listening to that. I'm driving along. I'm listening. He preached this to Harmony. That's dangerous. Do you realize how dangerous that is? Do you understand that the gospel is dangerous? Well, people might be naughty. That's right. Might. Some of them will be naughty. Some may not obey. They may not live for the gospel. They not, may not contribute to their local assembly, make it work for the kingdom. They may be, oh, I better watch them. Stay on task. Yes, it's dangerous because that's grace. It's dangerous. 
But you know what? When he gets a hold of you, when you, when you ascertain, when you lay hold of grace, I can't help but want to be changed. I, I've never, from the time I got born again, I've never given that a thought that I shouldn't keep growing. It's one of the reasons I allow God to keep molding. That's a good word. Molding this difficult lump of clay, right? I want you to think about that. You know, how has the grace of God been changing you? Yes, it's dangerous. It's a risk. You mean I don't have to do anything to be born again, to be saved, to go to heaven? That's right. You don't. You have to believe. Right? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not but have everlasting life. It doesn't say whoever believes in him and then crosses 12 little old ladies across the street. It doesn't say that. It's a free gift. But that gift is transformational. It's a legitimate question to say. And even Paul said, examine yourself. See if you're in the faith, right? If I don't want to cross little <laughs> or do something righteous to please God, then maybe something's missing. Maybe I really didn't get that, right? So that, that's a fair question. But it is a dangerous, scandalous gospel somebody mentioned in our prayer time earlier. I think when we ponder grace, the biggest and most Vivid illustration is the cross itself. What happened when Jesus laid his life down for us? Do you understand why he had to lay his life down? Because God's love and grace is holy love. And he cannot wink at sin. If he starts winking at sin, he ceases to be God. If he ceases to be God, the whole universe explodes. It unravels because he holds it all together by his glory. This, uh, this table that we'll celebrate today was foreshadowed in the Passover of the Old Testament. They would take a lamb because the wages of sin is death. And so they would take a lamb, they would slit its throat and pour out the blood as a manifestation of the death of a victim. Somebody had to pay. Now, it didn't really pay for our sins it was a picture of the one who was ultimately coming to pay for our sins. But they would celebrate the Passover. And then Jesus comes on the scene and he celebrates the Passover with his disciples the last time he can before he goes back to be with his father. And he commandeers it, if you will, and makes it his family supper. Why not? All of those years of celebrating the Passover were all about him. Did you know that? They were all about him. They were all pointing to his coming and his intervention. And so he commandeers it and says, now I'm asking you to do this in remembrance of me. This is my body given for you, the sacrificial lamb. This is my blood for the remission of sin. The blood of the new covenant. Do this in remembrance of me. A propitiation. Interesting phrase, propitiation. 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. I'm not putting it on the screen. I'm just leaving you to ponder that. I ought to move along so you're not distracted. But here we go. Propitiation. 
If we do sin, brothers and sisters, John says to his disciples in the little book of 1 John, chapter 2, the second verse, if we do, we have an advocate with the Father. We can ask forgiveness because of the blood, and his blood is shed not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world, a propitiatory sacrifice. You can look that up for yourself later. Propitiation is an interesting thing, and I'm going to illustrate it this way. So, we're going to sing at the end of our service today, Amazing Grace. One, I, one of my favorite verses, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved." We don't understand where we're in trouble and how we're broken sometimes, right? So, I was going to read a, a great story, but in the interest of time, I'm not going to. I'm going to tell you my story when I was a kid, I got myself in a jam. I was hanging out with my friends. We're probably 13, 14, running around the neighborhood in Whitestone, New York. If you've ever driven down through Flushing Whitestone on the Beltway, nice little highway, beautiful old stone bridges there, bridge work that you go under. And alongside the bridges, there's, you know, there's weeds and bushes and trees and whatever that goes up a slope to where we live. So we were at a time when back then, you know, people get into pea shooters and spit wads and stuff like that. And we had gotten into take little paper clips. Oh, and you break them in half, right? And open them up and get a little rubber band here and pew, 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 pew. Well, we thought this would be really fun. Let's go down in that little slot alongside the bridge embutment where the cars are coming by like this at 55 miles an hour. And as they go by, we're aiming for their hubcaps. You know, ping, ping. We hear, oh, I got that one. Ping, ping. Oh, got that one. Ping, ping. Having a great time. So there we are. Until about 15 minutes later, all of a sudden, there's this angry father leaning over the rail. Hey, you kids! Who, us? (laughs) Oh, boy. He was furious. I've got a little girl in my car. It's probably going to lose her eye because of what you... And I thought, oh, this is it. It's the big house for me. They're going to take me down to the canyons in Manhattan where they just tear your ears and arms off in there and these wild animals are going to throw me in there. I'm calling the police. I was so scared. There were three of us, I think, and we were like, this is the end of the world right here. Yeah, those are the old days. Now they'd say, hey, who do you think you are? Get lost, buddy. Anyway, things have changed. But anyhow, thank God, as he's leaning in and calling us up, and we thought, we're, we're just, we're dead here, man. My parents are going to disown me, whatever. Thankfully, mom came along, and mom said, I heard her. She's All right, you kids, you make sure you never do anything like, yes, sir, we'll never do anything like that again. And he sent us on our way. See, what happened there was I received mercy. I didn't get what I deserved. What I deserved would have been stand over there against the wall, ping, right in the face. And I didn't get that. Or call the police and I get juvenile or something like that, but I didn't get what I deserved. And they left 
And we learned a lesson and never did anything like that again. But if it was grace, propitiation would mean not only are you forgiven and you're free to go, but I want you to get in the car, we're going to go eat lunch, and we're going to talk about this whole thing, and we're going to start to develop a relationship. God, in propitiation, doesn't just say you're free to go. He says, I want you in my family. Can you imagine? See, propitiation is not just release from the punishment, but it's reestablishment of a relationship that has been broken. So the next thing I want us to look at is the gospel of grace enacted. That's what communion is all about today. We're manifesting before our eyes and in our hands and even in our mouths that Jesus died for us. And we are partaking of this wonderful grace that not only gives us forgiveness, because we park on that every time we do communion. We think about that, right? Thank you, God, that I'm forgiven, that I'm not getting punished, you know. But it's more than that. It's propitiation. It's relationship. He's saying, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. I want you guys to be together with me in this whole thing. I want you in my family. It's the gospel enacted. The blood cleanses and forgives. Let me park on this thought before we take communion together. He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each one has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. That underscore, all of us like sheep have gone astray. You know, it looked like a good idea at the time. Come on, let's get down alongside the highway here. It looks like a good idea. Isn't that what sin is? It looks like a good idea. Oh, let's do this. <laughs> and next thing you know, we're in trouble. And hence I chose the picture. God's grace manifested. This is a Vatican statue of a shepherd boy. Of course, it reminds us of the good shepherd, right? Who lays down his life for the sheep. But the reason I picked that picture in the first place was simply this. Yes, Jesus becomes the Lamb of God and lays down his life for his, for his friends, but also that idea of him being the good shepherd, he carries us. We get out in the weeds and he goes and looks for us. We're tangled up with the briars of sin and he disentangles us. He puts us on his shoulders because we've broken our leg in our stupidity. And he carries us back. We're wounded and he binds us up. The wolf comes after us and he protects us if we're willing to let him, you know. He comes after us. He rescues us. He feeds us. We stray. We get in a jam. And he, our fears, relieves. That's why I picked that. I thought that's probably the best picture of grace I can think of right now. So that's where we are. Sweet condescension of our master Jesus, giving his body and blood for us that we might be rescued. Well, I said it was going to be short and I lied. 
so I need the forgiveness of my brothers and sisters for that. But we're going to uh, turn to the table, and I'm going to ask that those who are serving would come up front and prepare. And um, here's what I'd like to do. We're going to serve the bread first and then the cup. Okay? And in between, we'll have a minute. And I want to ask maybe just a couple of us to give glory to God for how he has rescued us from what we deserved. You know, I mean, if God's been good to you and he gave you a new car and you won the lottery this week and all, that's great. But that's not what I'm talking about. And if he did win the lottery, uh, tie to your favorite pastor. But, uh, yeah, don't I wish. But, uh, you shouldn't be playing the lottery. But anyway, uh, incidentally. But I I'm think about what did God rescue you from? I can look back and say he rescued me literally from death, sickness, numbers of things that I deserve because of the things I was doing as a non-Christian. Ponder it, give thanks in your heart, and maybe a couple of us will say so. Let's quiet our hearts before the Lord for a minute, and I'll pray in a minute. was grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved. We didn't know how much trouble we were in. We didn't know when we're down alongside the highway sinning away that judgment was about to come over the railing upon us. But Lord, your mercy came and made a way for us to be forgiven, but not only forgiven, invited into that family that we wronged. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your provision. The only way to reconcile us to yourself through the blood and the body of Jesus, our Savior. We celebrate that today in the great name, which is above every name, the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Today, this celebration, as we distribute the bread, uh, as soon as you receive it, go ahead and take it. We'll have a minute of sharing in between, and then we'll distribute the cup and hold the cup so we can all partake together, okay? Um, This is for believers, and wayward believers are welcome to come back from their waywardness at this table. That's why God intended it for us. And if you've not entered into a relationship with Christ, that door is open to you today if you will simply believe. You can't earn it. You can't take five communions to get it. But if you receive it today, you can partake of communion because you're part of that family if you trust him by faith to pay for your sins. I'm going to ask that we do that. Thank you. Just the bread first. Somebody's doing it for me.
love so amazing, so divine, demands my heart, my soul, my all. Amen to that. I'm going to ask uh, Brother Gene to give thanks for the precious blood of Jesus represented in the cup. We'll distribute the cup, and as we're distributing, we'll take a few moments to share. Okay? Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your sacrifice for us at the cross of Calvary. And Lord, uh, it brings uh, tears of joy to my heart and our hearts, Lord, to know that um, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, and you've paid our debt and then welcomed us into your family. Lord, how amazing. What grace and and goodness and, and mercies. Thank you, Lord, for all that we have through the shed blood of Jesus. We ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Remember to keep the cup and we'll partake together. He makes us good enough, right? We are. Can't do anything to earn it, make it better or less. I already said that dangerous stuff earlier. It's so easy, right? And it's, and it's easy for us to get off track thinking we have to work it or something like that. Anyway, let's stand together. We're going to close with two stanzas of Amazing Grace, okay? And... Uh, Something I did way up north, and I can't get away from it. There is a king in heaven, brothers and sisters. And to the king and to his kingdom, let's say it. To the king and to his kingdom, there is a king. Thank you, Jesus, for being our king and rescuing us. What other king would lay his life down to save us? Thank you for that. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We'll just do one and two back there, okay? Okay. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. Was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears released. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first.